Welcome to the Action Shooting Show. Uh, tonight we have Nick and John, so um, they can kind of fill themselves in, whatever they'd like to fill in about themselves, and we're going to do another action after, after action report. This is a match that I didn't shoot, so I'm maybe asking some questions, and we'll, we'll just go from there. So, uh, yeah, Nick, you want to introduce yourself? Sure thing. Uh, my name is Nick. I uh, have done, I've been doing running gun for about three years now. No, four years. About 2018, I think. Uh, 2018 or 2019, don't recall right now. Um, I've done well over two dozen running gun events right now uh, with the Game of Challenge, the subject of today's uh, episode being, being one of them. Um, although I would call it being running gun a loose term. We'll get to that later. But anyway, I'm Nick. I've done quite a few of these and i um, excited to be here today with Ryan and, and John, who uh, will be our next person here. Hey guys, John here. Uh, I have uh, been also been doing running gun for, for quite some time, going back to uh, March 2017. The uh, infamous Rock Castle March 2017 match was the first East Coast match, which I found out about on the internet. Someone's like, hey, come run on a trail and shoot guns. I was like, that sounds like fun. So I showed up. Uh, I've now done close to 40 of these matches. And um, I'm also the admin of the Running Gun Discussion Facebook page uh, or Facebook group, which is really the central clearinghouse for all these types of matches nationwide. Not because I'm particularly special in any way, just the old guy who, uh, who used to do it got off Facebook because he's smarter than we all are. And uh, he asked me to take over the page and I said yes. So that's those are sort of my creds and both Nick and I and Ryan as well. We've, uh, we've not only done a ton of these matches, but also ROed and staffed. Uh, and helped organize a large number of these matches too. So we've got a pretty good basis for comparison and knowledge about the sport. And uh, we're going to tell you about a match that we shot today called the Gamut Challenge, which is in the same vein, but uh, definitely a very different animal with a very different structure. Yeah, awesome. So that, that's good. And uh, if you don't know me, watch other episodes of this. I'm on I'm on all of them. Uh, as I said, that's the, we're doing the Gamut Challenge. And this isn't your traditional run and gun the same way as like heartbreak was the last episode so um i guess does one of you guys want to tell me the i, I kind of use the thing match flavor like what what's the idea of this match or what's kind of the 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 match flavor of it uh okay i'll start i'll start here with a little bit um the match is called a game of challenge it's the first of uh it's kind held by a fellow named by bob keller uh he is a legend in the special operations community um, Delta guy, Green Beret, retired, all this stuff. So he started a company called, um, what was the company called, John? Gamut I'm Resolutions. Like, I'm sorry? Gamut Resolutions. Thank you, Gamut Resolutions. Uh, it's based out of uh, Central Florida. Think between uh, Tampa and Orlando area, like Lakeland-ish. Um, he runs that, that, uh, that company out there, and they have a facility in the area called Rangeworks, where uh, he's an owner at, and it is effectively a match where he said he's he treated like selection in terms of it was a plenty of unknowns where competitors would we, we had a vague uh, description of the match where folks would be told like hey we are expecting a two-day match with what north of 20 miles we were, yeah, we were told to expect about 20 miles of rucking with a minimum 35 pound dry pack weight. Uh, we were given a round count, a basic gear list, 
and that was pretty much it. You know, we just said, oh, and he did, he didn't uh, address it publicly, but if you like looked around or sent him a message, we found out that the max engagement distance was around uh, a little over a hundred yards, but pretty much beyond that, all we knew is it was going to be X miles. We're going to ruck a lot. We're going to shoot a lot and uh, it's going to be hard. And uh, it did not disappoint in any of those regards. He was a hundred percent honest <laughs> in his very limited match briefing. And the flavor of the match here was with how Vega was like generally with running gun, there is like a, a varying spectrum of like of uh, transparency with the matches in terms of like, we'll have like on one end of the spectrum stages are given out in advance piecemeal at a time. And then on the other end um, you would have just like, Hey, this is the state. This is the event. This is the venue. If you've been to this venue before, you may have an idea as to what the facility might look like. Um, this was definitely a little bit to further down that, that latter end where, it was vague and you would ask like leading questions um, on an individual level and you might get some nuggets of information like John alluded to with like the engagement distance, but otherwise it, it was very different. And the way that we approached the match, we were thinking it was going to be like a run and gun. It was going to be like a, a, a normal say competition. It wasn't um, yeah. Bob. Uh, uh, he, he, I don't want to presume uh, competition ex experience, but it he definitely didn't run it like any sort of competition like it was before. And that played to the benefit for the event in terms of keeping us on our toes and having us do things that were simply not expected. So yeah. we can go into a little bit more detail about what that looked like later on here when we talk about the conduct of the match. Yeah, I'll talk I'll talk a little about a little bit about the match flavor and match format. Um, typical run and gun. You'll have a start line. You'll run through the forest and or through whatever terrain you get, you know, depending on where it is in the country. And every, let's say, half mile to mile and a half, they'll stop, they'll shoot a stage, and then you'll take off running again and you, you know, until you effectively get back to the start finish line. That's kind of what Nick and I were expecting. And leading up to the match, we uh we spent a bunch of time chatting uh in the evenings about looking at, you know, sat imagery of the range, trying to figure out what we were in for. Should we pack? You know, how do we pack appropriately or plan appropriately or stage ammo appropriately? And uh, suffice to say, we were completely wrong. We sort of estimated that uh, looking at the range, he's it's a it's a very I'm gonna call it a CQB oriented range. It's about 17 bays, most of which are less than 50 yards, and only one is over about 100 and change. And uh, it's also surrounded by a bunch of lakes and water features. And so what we guessed is that you would basically shoot a stage and then lap the property, shoot a stage, lap the property. And there's so much water, we were certain we were getting sent in the drink. We packed dry bags, we packed all sorts of crap. Turns out that wasn't the case at all. Uh, and I'm gonna talk a bit about the match. I don't wanna give too many details because I think Bob tries to keep it sparse on purpose. And he's planning on doing another one uh, later this year in November. So we're not gonna give away certainly all the secrets at all, but we'll, we'll talk about the match. Um, and at this one, at least we didn't get wet. Uh, but what was interesting is instead of using the small property, because it's only a couple acres, uh, he basically got permission from neighboring landowners uh, for us to ruck out on their property. We, we didn't shoot on the property, but we, we rucked. And effectively how it worked, it wasn't too dissimilar in terms of what your body experience is in that we'd go, we'd go a, a predetermined ruck. You'd uh, head out to the end of some like orange orchard or something, go do five miles or more, which then looped you back to the range complex. 
and then you'd have some sort of physical challenge, some sort of mental challenge, or some sort of shooting challenge. Obviously, because all the bays were clustered in that center, central area, you'd, uh, you'd go uh, ruck for a bit, come back and shoot, and then maybe do some sort of mental challenge or physical challenge or agility challenge or the obstacle course, which, uh, which they have on site. And by the way, I know the uh, BGSL and Heartbreak folks aren't going to like this, but the O course at, uh, <laughs> at Rangeworks is a lot harder, a lot more physical, and a lot more dangerous. Let's, let's not allude to uh, the existence of BGSL's uh, line of tires, because I imagine Bob would have an absolute field day with the simplicity and the soul extraction those things can, can bring. Yeah. So, except, it, except it wouldn't be six tires, it'd be 30. Yes. <laughs> it'd be 30. Bob is, Bob is cruel. In a good I way. Would, um, I would add on, add on to this that the conduct of the match was you as a competitor, you did not know what the next event would be. So there was a lot of unknowns going into it. You you knew that there would be, say, maybe six or eight stages um, based off your ammo, for, for example. Um, we'll get into that in a little bit later. But you only knew what the event you were currently doing was, how to get there, and what to do to get to that, that location that you would be like your turnaround point or what to look for. So there were in some cases there were cash items. In some cases, you were told, hey, drop your pack, drop your gear. Take it, go out this gate, make a right. You'll find a truck. That is your turnaround point. You weren't told a distance. You weren't told whatever. You were just told get there, and that's that's what your step was. You didn't know what was going on afterwards. So there was a lot of questioning as to pacing, as to okay, drop on my gear. Now what? Now what am I in for? So there was there was quite a bit of uh, of, of mental exercise going on there with just the unknown being there and pacing yourself accordingly. So that was a real interesting aspect of this that I have not seen before in a run and gun or similar type of event that uh, me that me or perhaps John, John have done before. Yeah. One thing I will note is that for, uh, to, be, to be honest, Nick and I were kind of expecting a bit of a, a, bit of a shit show, uh, being that it was the first time that, uh, that they run this event because we've all been to plenty of, uh, of matches where it was the first time for the match director and uh, to Bob's credit and Bob's staff, it really ran extremely well. Uh, things started on time, ended on time. The, uh, there wasn't anything too half-baked in terms of, you know, something that the match director dreamed up that actually didn't work in real life. There really wasn't a whole lot of that. Like pretty much everything was thoroughly tested and vetted. And uh, I was very impressed with, uh, with how the match ran, the match flow and um and everything else so so that's that's certainly worth repeating and a credit to bob for putting that together especially his first time organizing something like this at least publicly who knows what he did with his time in the army you know they might have been doing these weekly in delta but i don't know shit about that life so who knows well that that's neat and uh it so it kind of gives me like shades of like what wolverine does and maybe even like the uh sniper action challenge they have out west where there's 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 a lot of that the unknowns there, I, I like the idea of not being able to pace yourself. I think with running guns, we know they'll say that's yeah, a five k race, it's a ten k, and you kind of know, with a few exceptions where they they spring things on you like at the end, you kind of know like if I push, this is this is the end end of what I got to do today, mm -hmm. and obviously it's 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 not the case there. And uh, like with Wolverine, the feeling that I get with the match director, and, and he has another some kind of special forces background. I think he was a sniper in some group in the army. I, I can't remember, but he's very much about not gaming 
like they set up the match and the rules in a way that while it's still competition and there's winners and maybe there's prizes, he doesn't want it to be a three gun or a USPSA where like people are gearing what they do to this specific event. He kind of wants you to show up and run the gear that you got. I mean, obviously any, I would imagine the army, you know, any of these military groups, they're changing their loadout for a mission, but they're not like tailoring it so specific that, you know, it's like, like I said, like a USPSA open gun is good for USPSA open. And and that's, you know, that's kind of it. Whereas a match like this, it sounds like they want you to, to bring gear. That's just going to, that can do uh, all kinds of things. Cause, cause you don't know what it's going to be. Right. Yep. And uh, I actually laid out some of my gear. I don't know if you guys want to talk about gear at some point, but uh, I brought a couple of things that I took to the match that I thought were, you know, useful or not useful or whatever that I can talk about as well. Yeah, I think that's yeah let's do. Um, yeah, let's going into the gear and our considerations we had, especially with the vagueness of the match and what we did to kind of our research and what mm-hmm. and what kind of gear we brought to, you know, to yeah, the li- things that we we expected to be the case. I'd like to do that. Is there just to get it through? Is there any? Was there any divisions in this, or is it just a strict? So just strictly run what you brought. Awesome. Within that, so. it was strictly a gear list that he emailed out. Um, the main takeaways from it, outside of you know, uh, slung rifle, you need a you needed a, a means of carrying six pistol, six rifle magazines on you, a 35, 35 pound uh, dry ruck, um, thirty two ounces of water um, was one of the items specifically mentioned, um, and then you know recommended items such as sunscreen, whatever, whatever. Uh, extra pair of boots, extra socks, all that, you know, st- st- kind of standardized, like relatively, you know, what you expect from like a military packing list, if you would. Right. Or even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, John, do you have anything else to add to that? Because uh, I can definitely talk a bit about what my interpretation of, of a standardized list looked like uh, when we talked about uh, our gear and whatnot. Yeah. I think there's one thing we should talk about before we get into gear, which is the scoring format, because the scoring format wasn't disclosed at all. And I'm not going to disclose the um, out of respect to Bob and what he's trying to put because I, I I enjoyed the fact that we knew so little. But what I will talk about is uh, in run and gun, it's very straightforward. Uh, it's basically uh, time plus. You shoot the stage. If you have any remaining targets, you get additional time put on as a penalty. And then the matches your overall match score is a combination of your run time versus your shoot time. Obviously, the faster your shooting time and the faster your run time. The more points you earn, and then that's how it's, uh, and then that's how your the, the final standings are calculated. Gamut was a little bit different in that there was simply overall time, right? From the moment you stepped off the finish line at you know whatever your start time was between 8 a.m. and about 9:30, 10 a.m. Uh, until the moment you stepped across the finish line at the end of the day, and then the shooting instead of being assigned points was simply assigned penalties for misses. Uh, some stages had part times where you had to execute. In advance, you had to, um, you know, neutralize all the targets by the end of the par time, uh, and any targets left unneutralized when par expired, you ate a penalty for. Uh, and then there were other stages that were not timed, that were simply on your overall runtime, but with extremely steep penalties. And the, the shooting was very, very simple, like you know, shooting a three-inch paper dot at ten yards for pistol and twenty-five yards for rifle, right? Not very hard to uh to shoot that at all but every single miss off that three inch dot was like a 15 minute penalty on your runtime 
And Nick can talk about accruing lots and lots of penalty time for a lot of different things. Um, and what Bob said at the brief in the beginning of the day was that he said, you've got to be good at it all to win this match. You cannot be a fast rucker or a fast runner and not be able to shoot and expect to win. You can't be, you can't show up as a USPSA GM, you know, one of the best shooters in the country. And if you can't ruck and you can't run, don't expect to win either. And that ultimately wound up being, being the case because there were some people who accrued literally hours of penalty time. And, <laughs> and there were, and the top, top guy who, uh, the winner of the match, who was blazingly fast on the rucking, blazingly fast on the running and a great shooter still accrued about an hour of penalty time. So it's all, it's basically impossible to, uh, to have a zero penalty match, just the way it's set up. There's just too much going on. You're too tired. You're 20 miles in, you've been carrying stupid amounts of weight and, uh, and that's how it works. So you effectively had your raw run time, your penalty time. There was some bonus time you could also earn for little challenges here and there. Uh, and then any delay time or wait time, exactly like run and gun, where if you arrive at a stage and uh, you can't proceed because someone else is actively shooting, you would earn that time back. And then you had a total elapsed time, uh, which is how the rankings were determined. And it was all netted out over two total days because we, uh, we had full day Saturday and full day Sunday of, uh, of the match. And, uh, and that's how it worked. But I think that's sort of helpful to frame what we carried, why we carried and how we did it. And in a, and uh, adding on to the, the shooting portion of that, where again, the shooting, I, I don't want to say wasn't difficult um, for a seasoned runner gunner. I would say that certainly 100% absolutely doable. Um, again, penalties were steep. And if there was a time, um, a part time, it was very tight. You had to move fast. If you were not able, if you had a malfunction, if you had anything go wrong um, that affected your shooting, that part time would sneak up on you and destroy you. So yeah. um, the times were the time part times were tight. Your shooting wasn't honestly difficult, but penalties were very steep. So um, again, much more different than what works what we're used to from a running gun USPSA other competitive shooting uh, perspective. Yeah. Um, let's see well, and I, isn't that the, isn't that kind of the thing with running gun in general? Like I've had way harder shots in like a three gun match than maybe any, almost any running gun. But once you get that heart rate going, you're like you said, you're 20 miles into your day. And like, even a, like John was talking about that, you know, a 10 yard pistol shot on three inch target. Like it, just about any of us could go out cold right now and shoot that and probably not drop heart much, if anything, out of the that target, but you get into a ruck and you're, it starts going downhill real quick. So yeah. uh, an additional caveat to that is I know um, even when I practice things like that, um, like uh, holdovers and different things like that with like a relatively high standard of accuracy being demanded, I don't often do that for many rounds. I don't do that for 30 repetitions in a single sitting. I don't do that for 15 repetitions in a single sitting. So that right there, there is also an endurance factor to consider with that surface level simple shooting that you get with engaging, say, a three-inch dot at X and Y distance with X and Y rifle and pistol. Generally, you're not doing that for a very long time. And that's not um, a ding on the course of fire at all. It's just a different thing that um, seems easy on paper. But again, with the added added uh, variables of fatigue and hitting 13 miles in a single day and 
it's exhausting to sit and do that for that long with that many rounds mm-hmm. in, in, in general. So those things that were easy ended up not being easy uh, when it came to game day. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I, just, you know, shooting, shooting my lightweight 11 and a half inch AR shooting 30 rounds with this tight, uh, with these, you know, extremely demanding uh, accuracy requirements or no, no, not demanding accuracy requirements, but extremely steep penalties for failure to maintain the minimum level of accuracy. Um, like I would have to stop and just like let the rifle sling and, you know, hang around my neck for like 15 seconds, just because we just, you know, rocked a whole bunch, done a PT, carried heavy shit, and then came through a brutal O course and, uh, and then expected to shoot. And like, I only had, you know, five or seven shots to me at a time before I had to take a break to avoid dropping shots on something that, like you said, would be literally trivial if you were just, you know, walked out and just shooting at, you know, a casual flat range. So yeah, it got, it gets so much harder when you're in that depths of exhaustion. Yeah. Um, I think within a gear, gear thing is what well we can talk about too, is like different things that I know I changed some of my gear going into this that were totally unique for gamut challenge. Um, I can talk a bit about that, John, if you want to start off with a little bit about considerations that you made for gamut challenge for like, say your, your rifle that yeah that were unique to Gamma Challenge? What what sort of things did you, you do for in that regard? So I shot yeah, I shot an 11 and a half inch air pistol. Unloaded. Um, and the big thing that I did, obviously there was a sling, but other, other than that, it's pretty much uh, exactly as you see it here. Uh, I did put on some, uh, some offset irons, and I can talk about that in a bit. And I went with just a standard T2 optic on top. Uh, the T2 optic was a big departure for me because I have been shooting LPVOs since the start. Uh, I have never, this is the first match I've ever taken a red dot to. Uh, and in some ways I'm glad, in some ways I'm not glad. Um, the match in terms of range was certainly red dot appropriate. Uh, nothing was over 120 yards. And uh, even for all but about two shots in the entire match, uh, and I'm going to leave that intentionally vague, for all about two shots in the, uh, in the match, I think the red dot was perfect. Um, those two shots did prove a challenge for me and I probably would have been better off, uh, if I did have an LPVO on, but I just went with this and, uh, I just had the offset irons simply as a backup. Um, the reason my front iron is, uh, set back slightly from the front is I did want room for WML. Uh, Nick and I looking at the distance and the number of competitors and the fact that it was a, uh, brand new match, we're pretty much certain that uh, just by virtue of uh, match flow, we were gonna be shooting at close to twilight just because it was in February, the days are short. Um, and so I wanted to leave room for a WML, which I've since removed from the, from the rifle. Uh, ultimately, there was nobody shooting anywhere close to dark. We were certainly still rucking close to dark, but WMLs were, were not necessary at all. And uh, I didn't wind up needing the WML. I didn't wind up needing the offset irons either because my T2, you know, thank you aimpoint did not break. Uh, aside from that, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, Geisley SDE trigger, my general favorite trigger. Uh, this is a uh, LMT Mars lower and a Knights 11.5 CQB upper because I got that Gucci drip <laughs> sand cutter carrier as well. Um, but aside from that, pretty straightforward. Uh, it performed flawlessly. I've got several thousand rounds through it. It's getting pretty beat up, pretty scraped up. It's been to a lot of matches um, and, uh, and I'm a big fan. Uh, but aside from that, that was the, uh, the rifle that I carried. I think if I were to go back, I probably would take an LPVO on it just because I'm more used to it. 
And uh, I don't think it would have hindered me at all. There's a small weight penalty, of course, but we were thinking with the distance and, um, and just the other extreme weight, anywhere I could save even a couple grams was probably worth it. And that was what led me to go with the T2. But I think ultimately, um, just because I have so much more experience shooting LPBOs, I would have been better off if I'd stuck with an LPBO and ate the uh, probably about a 15 or 16 ounce penalty if I put like a loophole VX6 one to six on, which is a 14 ounce with a five ounce scope mount. So that would have been, those are my comments on, on the rifle choice. Nick? So can I say I'm, I'm excited to see what, hear what Nick broke this match. Cause I just <laughs> assume that something broke because he's a Marine and that's what their, their specialty, one of their many specialties. Um, I wouldn't call myself special. Um, I would barely call myself oh, a Marine. I, anyway, <laughs> that, beside the point um, for this match, I, I ran specifically some unique stuff for it. Um, nothing unique in like the, the normal shenanigans of running a 203 or running some obscenely obscure BS thing. Um, in this case, I kind of ran something I, I thought would be optimal and fitting for this match with what I had at my disposal. Um, in that case, I ran a 14.5 um, Knights Armament Mod 2 upper um, with a Mars L lower. Um, thank you to Private, Private Tier Group for supporting this match, by the way. We'll get to that later. Um, with the engagement range that we saw um, and with um, a, expectations that I would be shooting like kind of fast and stuff like that, like CQB kind of ranges, I elected to take off my LPBO that's traditionally on this and I threw on a, um, a T2 with a uh, like a nice skyscraper mount, skyscraper mount, so like a 2.3, like a high mount. It's for like a night vision gun, but I took it off and like, hey, let me go ahead and run it with this. Um, I even ran it to the point of asking a friend to borrow a magnifier, which if you know anything about me, I am wholeheartedly not a fan of magnifiers after trying a slew of them, not getting on board with them. I bit the bullet and kept it with me. Um, and even at one point in the match, I elected to use it, regretted it, and <laughs> didn't elect to do didn't elect to do it. So um, in this case, I would say, um, in, you know, opposing John's uh, John's own personal recommendation for him for himself, I was pleased with my choice of a red dot for this match. Doing this match again, I would likely do it again. Um, maybe perhaps not with a longer gun like this, but again, that's just a consequence of what I had immediately available to me for this match. Um, and with that, very happy with what I selected. Again, I would probably go shorter for, for me personally, but the weight difference and whatnot, um, I was pretty satisfied with the performance. Uh, I was, I, I didn't feel like my guns were not meeting it. It was more of like just the me factor, you know, the Indian, not mm -hmm. the arrow kind of thing being a okay. uh, planner factor here. So All right. right. Uh, yeah, I guess pistol, pistol next, and then after that we can go into any of the other gear that specialty mm -hmm. gear you guys may have brought. Uh, I don't have too many comments on the pistol. It's the same pistol I've been running for uh, pretty much everything. Uh, the one thing I will talk about though, uh, pistol is just a P320. It's got a uh, Parker Mountain machine barrel and comp. It's got my uh, faithful Acro P1 on top. Thousands of rounds. Uh, it's still locked up. I didn't dig it out. Um, but what I will talk about is how I carried it. Um, and I've been doing a lot of running for the past couple of years and I've got some sciatica issues and some hip issues. And it's gotten to the point that I can't really run uh, very effectively 
with a any any sort of battle belt on, whether it's like a padded HSGI style belt, which I've tried, uh, or the minimalist belts with uh, Raptor Tactical, or like a you know Ronin Senshi, any kind of you know the Micro Molly belts. I've tried many of them, and they've just exacerbated my hip issues. And uh, what I did is I had um, Darren Talbot over at EGL. I commissioned a custom chest rig, which I've been using uh, now for several matches. It's been extremely uh, successful, um, and it just carries. Uh, three either AR762 or 556 mags back here, three uh, um, STAT Kiwi slots for the pistol, a GP, GP pouch on the front. And what Darren and I worked out and designed, of course, is a uh, Kydex holster Velcroed in. So I now have a chest mounted pistol for all my matches and I don't carry any belt whatsoever. Uh, the only difference being I might put a um, like a lightweight fabric belt on, just like a basic nylon belt with a, a single pistol mag carrier for basically an emergency or a speed reload, but I pretty much now carry everything on my chest. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily recommend this for everyone. I also wouldn't necessarily recommend it for every weapon platform. You know, if you were uh, a 2011 uh, user or anything that has a uh, runs cocked and locked in single action, I don't know that I would be comfortable running that on my chest, basically pointed right at my sternum for a running gun match, especially with lots of low crawling and uh, and obstacles and everything else. It's really it's a judgment call because something goes wrong, you legitimately could die. But, uh, but it's a choice that I've made with, you know, what I uh, consider to be, you know, very solid pistol management fundamentals, holstering, unholstering on the draw. And, uh, and I carry a chest mounted pistol for every match. I've been doing this since I, uh, since I had this rig commissioned and I'm a big, big fan. Uh, and aside from that, the pistol was just, like I said, that P320, we carried uh, 15, we carried six pistol mags. So I had three on the chest and three in my backpack. Uh, you did have opportunity to swap them out throughout the day as necessary. So you were always, uh, if you can carry four on your person, I would say is a, uh, is a good, good number for, for gamut. And then just have the rest in your pack. Cause you did need to have all your ammo with you at all times throughout the day. But the shooting obviously was, was staggered around. And one other comment I will make, uh, I don't think this will be spoiling anything is that all your pistol mags need to be loaded to 15 rounds, not more, not less uh, with your rifle mags. 30 rounds, not more, not less. So if you downloaded a mag just for more reliable seating, you were gonna pay a very steep penalty. Um, so all I can say is make sure you can load, make sure you've got a rifle and mag combo that will allow you to seat 30 round mags with a closed bolt. Cause if you don't, you've got a deficient weapon system and um, and don't try, you know, there's there's no gaming it from that perspective. And it was interesting to see Bob run it that way. We weren't expecting it, um, but it did mean that literally everybody was starting with the exact same baseline. And if you had like a 40 round big stick or a D60, you were at no advantage. And in fact, you were scrambling at the start line when you found out to uh, unload or, or unload, reload, whatever. And I was, I was doing the same. And I, I got to the start line, you know, moments before I was due to step off. I was still trying to stretch and like take my feet up for blister prevention and all that because uh, what got thrown out as a surprise. So I will certainly throw that bone out to anybody who takes the time to listen to this. Um, 30 rounds in your rifle mags, 15 rounds in your pistol mags. At least that's how it worked the first time. Bob may change it up. Who knows? But um, but that's what I got. I, lo I love the idea of someone carrying around a D60 with just 30 rounds on it because that's... <laughs> What's that? Uh, speaking from experience on that, uh, my D60 was loaded with 60, spent the, you know, the, the egregious amount of time to load it. And when I saw it at the start line, I was like, cool. This D60 is now permanently a ballast for me. Um, 
So I remember coming back from, I think I was like a little bit ahead of John, like one or two people ahead from John. And I came back to the start line. And I told John like, hey, load your stuff to 30, dude. Um, <laughs> because I paid for that uh, a bit and I learned my lesson. So again, throwing that bone out there for you folks that are uh, tuning in and staying on board, listening to uh, to us uh, ramble on about this. Load of 30, load of 15. Again, as a match may dictate. Um, and some quick things about other gear considerations on me. Um, I ran a very standard, like my P10 with a P10 with a P1 Acro X300. Um, I've been using it probably this gun for three years now. Um, I just replaced a whole new frame and all this stuff because I put a stupid amount of rounds through it at this point. So um, I just had a new frame just in time for a match with the old slide and um, it worked fine. I didn't have my standard, um, actually I did. I had some problems with my, my infamous reloads because I, I'm just, uh, I'm not very good. I'm very much an enthusiast, not an expert. So uh, I had some problems, self-induced problems with that. But other than that, the gear that I brought that I expected to run fine, ran fine. Um, I was a little bit more traditional in the gear that I carried when compared to John. I ran a my normal run and gun competition, whatever belt. So, um, you know, standard AWS inner outer Velcro belt with a Safari Land holster, my P10, two rifle, two pistol mags, a fanny pack with some stuff in it, and then a go ruck pack with a velocity systems uh, test rig that I carried three 40 round mags with. And considering I didn't need to carry any land nav gear or any any other crazy admin gear i just had a slick three pouch steel so um on the velocity systems you can go kind of wide so uh given i didn't need to carry any other crazy gear just ammo and maybe some substantive stuff um i just had these filled the front pouches filled with this pistol along with the two of each magazines on my belt and that was totally fine um in regards to the pack um i was very pleased with with the pack, especially given the distance, I just ran a standard Go Ruck, 26 liter GR1, no hip belt, and I had some concessions going in, not using a hip belt for support. And thankfully, um, it wasn't as bad as I was expecting. My lats were still hurting, but I was glad with my decision to not have a hip belt because you were donning your gear off and on pretty often, and to mess around with the belt with your pistol on and all this stuff was just not something I was willing to work with. And I'm glad that I made that choice going forward. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the gear considerations I made going into Gamut and generally with the gear outside of, you know, some self-induced, you know, reloading ammunition crisis stuff, I was pretty satisfied with. Yeah. Hey, John, real, real quick, your chest holster, is there any kind of active retention on that? Or is that just uh, like... It's just a real snug, clicky fit, and it's good from there. It's a snug, clicky fit. Uh, just a uh, cheap Kydex holster. Uh, literally got it from Amazon um, for a chest holster. I didn't think I needed to spend a whole lot of time, effort, or money in getting something like a. You know, I I carry with a with a Filster holster or other high end holsters, but for the chest, I just needed something that would retain it. And then I have a Velcro flap that uh, actually goes and closes over. I do it like this. Closes over the uh, the entire pistol. So it's uh, it's actively retained, and then I've got clicky. I can do a little pull tab on it. I can rip it off and draw a pistol um, with still a little bit of clicky retention when it comes time. So um, at no point have I found that uh, that's you know cost me any real amount of points or um, 
or any concern. And it, it's really, it's been working out. It's been working out great. Uh, it is a slower draw than drawn from a conventional holster on a belt, um, but not terribly slow. So I'm, I'm willing to make that trade off, especially because the, um, like I mentioned, it, it was really driven by, by the aforementioned hip issues that I've been dealing with. Um, and certainly I don't think it gives any real performance advantage. It's just, you know, something I got to work with cause I got, uh, I got bad hips. Um, so, so yeah, that worked great. Uh, the one thing I will note though, is because I had everything on my chest, uh, I was able to use a pack with a hip belt. And if you think about the load, right, 35 pound dry pack weight, uh, with six loaded mags of rifle, six loaded mags of pistol, which are about a pound each, that's 12 pounds of ammo, um, your rifle, your water your food and uh, anything else you're carrying, any other sundries. Uh, so when we stepped off the start line to begin the day, we had you know close to 60 pounds on, about 58, 57 pounds, all things considered. And, um, and for those who were you know, trying to be competitive and come in with a, with a top time, I jogged a lot. Like I, I ran most of day one um, with all that weight. I was probably averaging about 16 minute miles uh, for I think the first day we did something like 15 miles. Uh, of, of movement. And my Garmin watch told me that I was averaging at about a 16 minute pace uh, overall for the full day for my moving time. And I certainly paid for that because day two, my legs were smoked and it just got even harder and even heavier with, uh, with additional things, additional PT. Um, so, so I was glad to have the, uh, the hip belt. I carried a GORUCK pack for the first day, a GORUCK uh, Rucker 3.0 uh, with a weight plate. And I was actually really pleased with that choice for the first day because it's a very small, very slim, low profile pack. And I was able to, you know, jog most of the time. Whereas if I had like a big proper backpacking pack, which certainly would have been more comfortable, but it also would have been a lot more cumbersome. And so that would have been, um, I don't think I could have maintained the pace that I did with a, with a much bigger, more bulky pack, especially with some of the, you know, tight weaving and navigations in the orchards with the trees and various other things we had to do as part of the match. So, so I was glad with that. Um, but I was pretty beat up by it the second day. And so I actually switched to a mystery ranch three day assault pack. And uh, that has a proper hip belt with live wings and it definitely carries a lot more comfortably. And, uh, and I was also glad the second day that I had the second pack. And it's just a factor of how I packed for the flight down to Florida that I actually had both of these packs handy. Um, and it took a little bit of, you know, Jerry rigging to find how to uh, securely stash my steel weight plate inside my mystery ranch in a way that didn't like tear it apart and didn't like just bounce all over, but took a lot of zip ties and padding. And I actually ran to Lowe's the morning of with Nick and we were scrambling to try and make it on time. And I was buying, uh, I was looking for like pool noodles at Walmart and I wound up finding some pipe insulation at the hardware in the, in the plumbing section at Lowe's. And I used the uh, split foam pipe insulation to kind of put layers all around the, the steel weight plate to, uh, to stash it inside the hydration slot of the Mystery Ranch 3DAP. So it worked okay. It wasn't great, but ultimately it was a lot more comfortable. And uh, during the day, during the second day, we did actually have to carry some additional weight. We got some, you know, I'll call them penalty items to carry. And, uh, and I was glad I had the three that because it had a more volume and b much better load carriage than a GORUCK pack. So I was certainly glad that I had that for the, uh, for the second day. Awesome. Yeah. And I mean, if anyone, if, if you haven't rucked, in this that you're watching this how how and where you carry weight makes a big difference on what kind of train you can what kind of speed you can go over the train and so i'm sure that yeah, getting that squared away really was key 
Yeah. Yeah. It made, it made a difference. And, and I'm, I'm pretty happy with, with the, uh, with overall the gears, with the overall gear selection, I'm pretty happy with, with everything I had, everything worked pretty well. Nothing broke. Um, I, you know, I went in standard trail running sneakers. I think Nick did pretty much the same. Uh, there were some guys there with boots, but for the most part, everybody in boots was going slower than, uh, than we were boots give you certainly more stability. Um, I think ankle myths, ankle supports a bit of a myth to be honest. Um, but it does give you better stability with, uh, with the high boots. I do agree with that. Um, the stiffer sole and, uh, but I just went with the standard trail runners. I almost wore shorts, but it actually, we were astonishingly lucky in that it was Florida, but it was like cool 60 degrees. Uh, it almost got chilly at one point, uh, the first day, which was actually really great. Um, it could have been a heck of a lot hotter and a lot more miserable. And so we, we really lucked out with the weather, uh, in terms of, you know, central Florida could have been a nightmare but it was really nice. Uh, Nick's from Florida. So, so he can comment on that. Um, and, uh, yeah, just like pants. I almost wanted to wear shorts, but I'm glad I had pants, uh, a t-shirt, like a, just a moisture wicking t-shirt and then a baseball cap. And then my standard, uh, you know, shooting glasses and, you know, just earplugs in, in earplugs. I wouldn't recommend over the years. They're just heavy, bulky. They bounce around. They get super hot. There were guys who had them, but they were like, I could see the sweat streaming down from inside your ears and that's kind of gross. So, uh, so that's, that's what I, that's what I had and pretty happy with everything. All right. Is there, is there anything else specific gear wise before we move on? You guys want to mention? Uh, no, I'd say uh, definitely have your gear stored away before going on. Um, not, not bastard John. Uh, Cause I know you made it audible, especially with the gear you had on hand and like, Hey, I have the capability to address something that I saw in the first state, let me go ahead and like make the change to the, to the crab, to like, not the crab legs, I'm sorry, the hip belt. So, <laughs> um, not a bash on you that, that it's seriously not, um, have your gear like really squared away and understand, like approach this with absolute confidence and you're going to find a confidence in doing things beforehand. Yeah. So again, having your gear squared away because you don't want that working against you on game day or game days rather. So I think you're well, think we're doing pretty well on that. Yeah, and, and let me add, especially if you're newer and you're watching this, like these guys are talking about kind of adjusting gear before this match, and and they didn't really give a timetable. Generally, you want to get good gear, you want to get it squared away, and you just want to shoot that. I, I see a lot of people, especially newer shooters, that are like adding stuff or changing gear like right up to before a match. Like when you've been doing this a long time and you know how everything works and you're like used to it and you can get away with that, but I see a lot of people show up with like gear that they've like, they throw a trigger in the night before the match or they like throw a new red dot on and they show up and it's like, it's not zeroed or it's not zeroed well, or the triggers doubling or not resetting or like whatever it, if you know your stuff, you can get away with that. If you're kind of new, I, I would recommend not doing that. You know, John even said he's running a red dot in this. He doesn't run it a lot. It worked well for him. But then he's still kind of, you know, he kind of, there was a balance there. So don't, don't, don't go add your gear. <laughs> you inherently take a big risk doing this. Um, yes. All of us, all of us have, have had experiences like this, uh, given our time shooting. And you inherently, there's a risk to that. Um, sometimes they'll pay off, other times it may not. And again, you just have to understand that, like, if you're willing to pay the capital to make your way down here, do all this uphand, but then up forward, but then not have the, not have those different things you're supposed to have working with you, work against you. You just have to go ahead and accept that, that risk. If you're going to go ahead and go down that route, I would generally say, and I think all of us would agree here, 
nah. If you can help it, have your yeah, have, no. have your stuff squared away before you, you you make a way down and you travel. I I investment going down there in the first place. Yeah. Don't embarrass yourself and waste yeah. your time and money doing this. Mm -hmm. I I had a new Geisley SDE for my heartbreak gun like three days before the match, and it's like it's a Geisley. That gun has run every trigger it's ever had in it, hundred percent. There was like zero reason not to put it in there. And I made myself not put it in there before the match because as soon as I did, it was going to malfunction the whole time. Since then, I've put it in and it's run, not surprisingly, 100%. But I, as much as it was a better trigger, it, I just, I, I was, I'm smart enough at this point to know that like the trigger was not going to change my outcome of that match if it worked. And if it didn't work, it was absolutely going to affect it. So... <laughs> And ironically, on the trigger note, Nick, our, if you recall, our good friend we went down with, the three of us, uh, he had his uh, fancy new Glock with his fancy new Timney Alpha Glock trigger that, you know, it's an amazing trigger tune, right? Gets almost a, you know, 2011 sear engagement, uh, sub two pound trigger. And sure enough, he brought it. Sure enough, it got muddy and wet. And sure enough, his pistol went single shot and cost him huge amounts of time and penalties because he dropped it in not too long before the match. So the lesson right. there is, um, I would say, if you can't have three guaranteed range trips prior to a big match that you're spending money traveling to, match registration, for this match, we had to ship ammo down because the round counts were high. I probably spent close to about a thousand bucks to go shoot gamut, I would say, uh, all things considered between uh, my flight, my ammo, shipping ammo, match fees, hotel fees, car rental fees. Um, it all adds up. And, you know, we do it because because we love the sport and it's it's a great time. You get to hang out with friends, uh, but it really sucks when you drop all that cash, go there, and then your equipment lets you down because you couldn't resist the urge to not dick around two nights before the match. So if you don't have multiple range trips uh, on the schedule between uh, changing something, anything, and match day, I would say just wait because there is almost no piece of gear you can add to your repertoire that's really going to make a huge meaningful difference in your match performance. It just I guess it's one brand new Gucci part. It's gonna excel my performance so much more. Nah, dude. Listen, be sick, bro. Bro, believe me, bro. But we've all and we're saying this because every one of us here has probably done it more than once. And it's and I can't think of a time that hasn't bit me for doing it. So um it never goes well. It never goes well. Um, so moving on, um, we, we normally would do like walk through stages. I don't know that we want to go through like every single stage. Is there anything you want to talk about with any of like a specific stage or I could suggest instead of doing that, me and John can talk a little bit. Um, jo Johnny Tyne and talked a little bit about it, but like your performance on the rucking, uh, portion there. And mm -hmm. sounds good. You know, anyone even looking at Google maps can understand and look at say, okay, Hey, here's what the elevation looks like. Dog, we're in like Central Florida. There, <laughs> there's no elevation. like there's 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 not much elevation to go there. Um, however, a a very a large ca a significant caveat that I will add to that is that there is one portion that I'm gonna feel like an idiot saying this. Um, one of the most difficult hills I experienced was in Florida. It was in Central <laughs> Florida at Gamut Challenge, and I was telling some friends about this. Like, dude, here, check out my Garmin. And I looked at my elevation change. It was like 47 feet of elevation yeah. change. Like, I felt like a total idiot saying this. 
with all the running guns and different things we do with the outdoor experience you have otherwise i sound dumb but i think i'm like becoming a dirt connoisseur or like a dirt snob <laughs> because if, if you're if you're if you've had any time in florida there's like this I can say this for like North Carolina, for South Carolina, for Georgia, for whatever. There's like a very unique Florida sand or dirt that's just there. And it's just very loose. No amount of driving over, no amount of wheel, you know, weighted weighted vehicles driving along it is going to compact it anymore to make a compact surface for you to run on. There's just this very loose floor dirt I've only ever seen in Florida and maybe Southern Georgia. And this place was covered in it. Yeah. So there was this one very gradual hill, you know, on, on paper, looks like nothing on Google Maps, nothing. But you're you're tru- you're trudging up that man and it's just sucking your soul out. It's pulling you down, it's going every step, and that contributed to being like rock castle power line level of exertion for me. I don't know right. if John can can confirm or deny that, but that's what it felt like for me, at mm-hmm. least within yeah. that specific stretch. I mean, I, I live I live in the mountains. My my house is at eight thousand feet elevation, and there are two thousand foot mountains. I can see them from my window right over there. Um, and this was just as misery inducing. And it's it's just the soft sand because every step you take, just you know, you're going up, but you're sliding back. It just sucks the energy out from your stride. You can't get like a good pace going. You can't keep momentum going, which I think is the hardest part. So so if I would say you know from from the physical portion. Uh, of preparation for for gamut, the single best thing you can do is ruck, uh, ruck heavy, and ruck you know back to back days because that's what's going to suck you dry. The the shooting wasn't particularly challenging in any way. Um, if you can shoot like B8 to 25 yards with a pistol and shoot rifle B8s at 50 yards, um, that's literally everything you'll need to do. You know, some there was some strong hand weak hand for sure. Uh, there was some shooting from a moving vehicle, which was really cool. We don't get a chance to do that very often. That was actually, and, and the way they set it up, I will say, was awesome. The way they had it, the course of fire, the targets. Um, Bob did a great job. He had ROs driving around in some like old crate, you know, some like old hoopty Buick, which by the way, had working air conditioning. This thing was like a 1988 this was, Buick. This was the most pristine range car, range vehicle I've ever seen in my life. I thought yeah. they, like with the car crisis going on, I'm like, where'd you guys track this thing down? This thing's like, this thing's a gem. I don't know why it's... Included to someone, work. This should this be like first car. Yeah, it's a great daily. It's probably, honestly, it's probably like I know yeah. Bob, Bob's got some kids in high school. It's probably like he borrowed his like daughter's car. Exactly. <laughs> but that was the range car. But that was cool. Um, but yeah, so the shooting, if you just practice like literally fundamentals, and and I don't know, right? I'm I've never been in the military, certainly not in Delta Force, but I've got, you know, I know Bob loosely. I know a couple other guys who actually left Delta and have had a chance to, uh, to chat with them uh, at length over beers or days on the range. And they say, you know, most of what we drill is just fundamentals. You know, we drill ready ups, we drill, you know, super, super tight uh, accuracy standards because in their role as a, as a premier hostage rescue team, you know, three inches of bullet placement can make the difference between, you know, shooting a kidnapper and shooting a hostage. And so if you just kind of think about that and prep your shooting in that way, uh, you'll you'll probably be capable of doing everything you need to do in the match without a whole lot of difficulty. Uh, I would say the biggest thing you can do to prep if you're planning on going to gamut is uh, is start rucking, and because it it just it sucks you. It is I think I think Nicola Green. I've done a lot of running guns. I've done a lot lot of long endurance 
I'm an ice climber and a mountaineer. I've climbed 20,000 foot peaks in the Andes. And I was more broken after gamut than pretty much anything I've ever done. My quads, my eccentric um, muscles in my quads did not function. I could not stand up or sit down in a chair for about four days after gamut, unless I had something that I could, you know, press myself up and then like grab the, the towel bar off the toilet if I had to take a dump and grab the towel bar to pull myself up standing or sit down. I was literally, my legs were shot. And that has never happened to me in my life. I've done 20 mile days on the trail, just on my own trail running. And this was so next level uh, in terms of physical difficulty. So prep for rucking and that'll serve you the best. With uh, Within that, I think we can kind of discuss a little bit about our performance and maybe things we did immediately after the match, because again, a two-day match is a whole inclusive event. And we had very limited but valuable time to kind of contend with between those two days. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'll kind of talk a bit about that and then we can add on for, for you afterwards. Um, my, going into day one, uh, my goal was um, rucking wise, I, you know, not knowing what to expect, but my goal was moving average of like weight wise, whatever, looking at my training, I was thinking, hey, I want to maintain a sub 17 minute uh, average moving pace. Didn't, didn't succeed in that. I got like a seven, I held back a little bit because with my experience specifically for running gun style events, I've always had a problem with my pregame hydration, my current, my day of hydration and like nutrition and stuff like that. And in this case for gamut, I got a down pat. I didn't have any cramps. I felt confident with my movements. My pacing was actually like 45 seconds faster on the second day compared to the first day. And on the first day, there was slightly less weighted movement. So in performance perspective for me, that was a good thing going forward. But um, within, after our first day, we had, I think uh, 14 plus, I think 14 and a half miles per my Garmin um, was the actual, yeah, yeah like 14.5 for the first day. And afterwards, like John mentioned, both of us, it took like a hard 45 seconds to just physically get into our car of sitting down. Like afterwards I was done, I was, I was mentally gone to the point that I finished, I it took me like 30 minutes to get all my gear together. I remember immediately after I got fixated on my last pistol shot felt like a squid. It sounded funny. So not being totally there, I went over to one of the staff members saying, hey man, I need to check my gun. I think it's a squid. And you know, to the point there wasn't, but it was just the point that um, that final push was just so rough, was just so, much heart into it that it came to that point um but afterwards john and i agreed um hey man we need a deep, deep tissue massage here this is this is gonna be a rough second day so we went ahead got a couple things got some food in our systems between uh john uh john and i and another one of our friends that were uh, came along as well and refilled a bit there got some stuff for the morning after um arranged for deep tissue massage late got that done. And I'm telling you that did wonders for us on top of our good post-match stretching, um, Theragun work, which John, thank you for bringing that. That was fantastic. Um, and then the second day going on my, again, my, my pace was like 45 seconds faster. Um, and I owe that to one to kind of pace myself setting expectations the first day. And then the second day being wrecked, but Again, with the hydration, nutrition being on point from the pre of the first day, the current match of the first day, and then 
the time between this, the first and second day, it was on point. I was satisfied with it. And I'm ultimately pretty happy with my performance considering all the different standard, uh, different variables that were in play for Gamut. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's a, an interesting topic and maybe I'll do a show. Maybe we'll do a show on that or something. It, it's with the kind of personalities that shoot a lot of these matches. There's very much the attitude. A lot of times of like, I'm just going to push through no matter what hell or high water, we're going to do anything. And like that, I'll call it self-care, that maintenance, like whatever, like preparing, trying to eat well, hydrate, all that before a match, you know, like you're saying, set expectations, but set your, you know, what pace you need that you can keep performing at that. And then whether it's deep tissue massage, a, a therapy gun, foam rolling, like, you know, that's, that's all great. I mean, that's really helping your, that, that we got to take care of our bodies. We go and we beat ourselves up at these matches, probably. Yeah, way, uh, <laughs> like, right yeah, and, and way harder. I mean, I, 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 I love my man. I go to I go to a chiropractor, and like I was in there, she had someone she was training. I do some of these events with her husband, and she made the comment like, "Well, you know, he's young and healthy, but he's a lot worse than maybe a lot of guys his age because the events they do are kind of hard on their, you know, they're 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 kind of high mileage, hard on their body." And I never really thought about it like that. But from a, a medical perspective, we probably are harder on our bodies than a lot of people. So anything that you can find that you can do to better treat your body in the middle of a match, between, after, before, after, like, absolutely do it. Yeah. Like, I've booked massages after 10-day back-to-back climbing trips when I get home. This is the first time after a single day I was like, we need massages. And luckily I was able to convince Nick. We found a, we found a, you know, shop that was open. We drove like 20 minutes up. And one thing I will mention that Nick, I think for, forgot or whatever, is that when we left the match the first day, uh, we were, I was driving and about five minutes after we left, I'm driving and like the world is just spinning. And I'm very, very sober at this point. I was like, holy shit, Nick, I don't think I can drive, man. Are you, can you, are you okay to take over? And luckily he was. And I was just like I had great nutrition. I was eating goo packs. I was eating, you know, honey stinger waffles, um, good on hydration. And my body was just like, I, I didn't, I went into this going down with a goal to win. That was like my own personal goal. I did not achieve that goal. I did pretty well. Um, top five finish, but like I left nothing on the table and I could have left stuff on the table and I wouldn't have been nearly as shattered uh, coming back from it. But I mean, I just put everything i i was at 100 percent output the entire day trying my hardest to be not waste a second and move as fast as i could and uh and i felt like it i paid you know i i, it, I could my body could tell that i that i you know pushed that hard um and and i had to have nick drive after the uh after that first uh like the, the for the until we got dinner in us um that first day and i ate an entire 18 inch pizza a set of wings uh a set of thing of wings and, and something else like i, I 1300 1500 calories in one meal and i was still hungry and then ate like more pizza than you know i had nick's leftover pizza the next morning for breakfast and uh and i'm glad i did i'm glad i did like i ate like a pig and i ate like a pig for like four days after i came home i was in such a calorie deficit actually a thing that um we didn't bring up and i'd like to bring up now is we talked about a before and after here let's talk about a current what we did during the match because this you know this was like an eight hour per day thing and that's just not a vacuum where you're not drinking or you're not eating or something um, so we can talk a bit about that if you don't mind. Um, yeah. On my end, um, me and John did our typical like, hey, we're in a new area. Let's go ahead and 
forage for our food at the local Walmart, Target, Publix, God bless Publix, right? Um, for whatever, right? So we decided that we wanted something that was like, hey, we're going to be outside. It's going to be potentially mm. hot. We need something that's going to sustain us a bit for this. That's not going to be like spoiled because we had it out in in, in our packs or something all day. So we, uh, we each brought our own uh, goo packs for today. Um, I definitely underestimated how many I would need if I was following the prescribed like 45 minute window that you would typically use goo packs in. Um, so I brought less than I expected to use. Um, I brought let I brought what I expected to use, but ended up needing more, but it ended up being just okay. And then we ended up getting what, like peanut butter sandwiches. And we packed like a couple in our packs. We made, for we made peanut butter sandwiches on raisin bread and they were a godsend. Just oh, yeah. I felt like David Hasselhoff, like when you're drunkenly eating that burger, <laughs> like I get back from a movement and yeah. <laughs> I just like saw that, that peanut butter sandwich i tore it open and just like disgustingly stuffed my mouth with it was it was the best sandwich i've ever had and that's coming from like a florida a florida person that loves pub subs whatever whatever but that sandwich mm -hmm. was chef's kiss dude it was fantastic so i think our food choices were were pretty good all things considered and i was pretty satisfied with how much i ate what, what i brought with me and overall, again, I was pretty satisfied with the performance for the match, especially the nutrition before, during, and after. Yeah, the uh, I think that the, the big takeaway there is that run, running guns, even the long ones, even like the 10Ks or even you know some of the 15Ks down in uh, down in Oklahoma, which Nick and I have both done. Even the 15K, you're only on the course for about three and a half hours, three hours forty-five minutes, assuming you're not being dumb and running a weighted division, uh, um, which we've also been dumb and done. But, uh, but this is, you know, almost eight hours of like nonstop high intensity movement. And it's a totally different game than, uh, than a 5k or a 10k running gun. We're on the, you know, fast runners, you know, the, the, the fastest guys at like the heartbreak were, were off the course in like an hour 10 or something. And that was like eight, eight and a half miles. Hour, hour, hour 58. They, the fastest ones this year right, came so in just under two. Just under two. And for the 5Ks, those guys who are running at that pace are done in like 45 minutes, you know, 48 minutes. So that's really a sprint. This was this was really a grind. And so you definitely got to think about your nutrition. Uh, I normally don't do anything with like um, uh, uh, electrolyte replacement in my drinks or anything. I prefer to just drink straight water. But this match I actually did uh, just because I knew I don't like it. It kind of upsets my stomach, but I knew it was going to be more important than uh, than it was going to be critical to have it because without it, I'd be in deep trouble. And, uh, and I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. Awesome. So um, let me see where we're at here. Because we're at an hour and just over an hour. Mm -hmm. um, so let's go into, like, what, what did you learn? Are there takeaways, any goals, or anything like that? Maybe that if you're planning on doing another one of these, that you're, you're going to do different. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I didn't love either pack choice I had. I think I could do better. Um, it would be pretty silly to like go out and buy a special pack just to do, just for gamut. Um, but I think there are better packs out there. Um, but I'm not quite sure which one, because the best way to carry that weight is a weight plate. It's, you know, super low profile, tight to your back. It's easy to jog with compared to like a big, heavy pack filled with uh, lower density, higher volume stuff compared to a steel plate. Um, but I think you could, you, you could optimize for that. Um, I'd bring the exact same rifle, but I'd put an LPVO on, like I discussed. 
Uh, I was good with footwear, good with nutrition, good with ammo. I just had basic 55 grain ball, nothing special. Don't need to, you know, spend the extra money on, uh, on any sort of like fancy match ammo at all for this. The, um, you know, the difference between that and shooting like 77 SMKs, I wouldn't have had literally a, a single shot difference because again, the ranges are small and even, you know, at that range, three inches, a three inch target is still plenty. Um, we can talk a bit about the shooting if we want, if we have time at the end. Um, I think I would probably, oh, here's one thing I did do. I brought trekking poles. I was the only guy there with trekking poles and I got a bunch of like laughs and funny looks at the beginning of the day. Like why you have hiking poles? And you know what? I swear to God, by the end of the day on day two, when I was passing dudes left and right and center, they're like, I need to get some hiking sticks. When you're for that kind of mileage, for that kind of weight, it makes sense. And, and I'm a big fan. Now I thought about them for heartbreak. Cause I, I went with a uh, heavy division this year too. And, um, ultimately with heartbreak because there's so much like scrub and crap you got to fight your way through in the obstacle course and all your gear has to go through the obstacle course i wouldn't bring it but uh for gamut i'm glad i had them and i'd absolutely bring them again uh tra training wise would you do anything different training wise leading up to it i would actually train maybe <laughs> i didn't that's <laughs> i know you you i mean you you say that you do a lot of you're very physically Fit, do a lot of this kind of stuff regularly so i would venture to say your fitness level is probably more than the average right. guy I, out there i do have a pretty good baseline i've been you know hiking under heavy packs consistently and frequently for for 20 plus years because of you know rock climbing ice climbing etc so i do have that going for me i did not do any specific training for gamut um i had some like bad hip issues like leading up like for all of uh for all of january i was like you know, laid up, I could barely do anything. So I really had like no training at all other than some, some dry fire leading up to it. I'm glad I did the dry fire. The dry fire paid off, especially for like some of the uh, strong hand weak hand stuff that's there. Um, but, uh, but I would have preferred to have uh, not be injured and have a little bit of time to train, do some heavy rucks and, uh, and get a little more live fire in uh, where I live. We're completely snowed under right now. There's three feet of snow on the ground. In fact, it's snowing right now. Actually, we're getting about another six inches tonight. So there's, you know, the live fire opportunities were, were few and far between for me. I got to drive quite a ways to get to a good range that isn't, you know, buried under three feet of snow. Um, but, uh, but yeah, aside from that, I don't, I, I would have, you know, would have prepared like I normally would have absent injuries and weather conditions. Fair enough. Nick, Nick how about you? Same um, kind of same thing. Change for preparation wise. Um, I was pretty satisfied. Uh, again, um, my training is pretty good. Um, maybe a slight adjustment with, um, maybe re readjusting a little bit more to doing like a, uh, a longer zone two kind of thing. Um, I've been kind of slacking on that just because life and maybe other fitness goals I have at this time. Um, but otherwise, um, I was pretty satisfied. I would again, bring with what I have currently right now, I bring the same exact thing over again, pretty satisfied gear wise. Um, I might've brought a shorter gun, but next, uh, next time I go, um, I might go full meme and say, hey, let me bring an M203. Let me bring a 308. Um, my body's going to hate me for it, but it's certainly uh, it's certainly a thing I wouldn't say no to, and it's certainly an experience I wouldn't want to deny myself, um, despite what it may bring to me. So uh, otherwise, for this going to next, um, to reach that optimal performance, um, I'm pretty satisfied. Like pack-wise, gear-wise, um, pretty happy with what with 
with what I can control directly, I'm very, um, I'm pretty pleased with what I did. So I probably do it again. Um, and well, I, and I don't know if they had any VTACs, but that M203 is definitely like the best VTAC, you know, barricade stop. So you got that. People talk about that. It is, it is a fantastic muzzle brake, weight up forward. You know, it, you can do like 0.08 splits all day with it and crush a B8. It's, <laughs> it's, it's great. But again, you're adding like a whole pound to your gun. And for events like th like this, it's probably, it honestly, dude. I, I know I just said that last time, but thinking about that sand and thinking about how I felt the day after, no, I'm good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll bring what I brought before. I'm gonna hold you. I would not bring a 308 to this. The uh, a, a short lightweight 223 is for okay. sure. Bring a P90. The mole, the optimal. Bring a Stargate status. Bring a P90. Yeah. The range is good. The capacity is good. The weight is good. Bring a P90. You know, I, I'm gonna get some fuck for saying that. And God, if if Bob Keller sees me saying saying this, I suspect that he's gonna he would be very displeased with what I just said, but um mm -hmm. it's out there now. Yeah. And I'll throw out one tip for anyone else considering going to gamut. One of the things that Nick and I did is try to gather a lot of intel looking at old videos of Bob uh interviews and podcasts he's been on and um uh his sort of training methodology and his classes, some of his YouTube media. And you know what? A lot of the things that we expected to see shooting wise were in there. So, so I'll say that if you put in the time and uh, kind of, you know, dig for some intel uh, based on the media Bob's got online, you will actually give yourself sort of a leg up or at least have a good idea what to expect. So, so that's what we did and it paid off. All right. So I, you, you talked about, you wanted to talk about the shooting. Uh, is there anything else you want you want to add to that about, about the shooting? Um, I'm not going to talk too much about the stages, but in terms of like some things that were interesting, right? Different than, than other running guns where some of the stages were completely back to back to back. Uh, so when you have to carry, when I say you got to carry four mags, like you better have your four mags ready to go because you're just going from stage to stage to stage to stage. Uh, <clears throat> there was nothing USPSA style in terms of like big memory stages or anything like that. Uh, the shooting itself was pretty straightforward. You had things where you know you'd be shooting from some sort of awkward position and you didn't have a lot of time to get into position there was obviously the shooting stage where you shot from the car there was a stage where you had to um drag a really heavy sled in the dirt and then do some strong hand uh weak hand shooting that was a challenge and that one ate a lot of people's lunches i'm told i think the ro told me that only about 10 or so people managed to shoot that stage without timing out and, and eating big penalties um, and so it was interesting. I think the, the back to back to back stages kind of thing, that's something that we don't typically encounter in running gun. Uh, normally we've got time to like restuff mags or sh shift gear around, or like, uh, you know, if you got mud on your optic, you had time to clear it off running from one stage to the next, but you didn't have any of that opportunity here. So you really had to be like on your game for multiple stages back to back, and then go for a very, very long ruck to think about all the things you did wrong. <laughs> and, um, and then uh, the other thing is, of course, the uh, there's many of the stages had, you know, difficult physical elements integrated into them along, you know, that were also done on those short part times. So uh, I don't think training in that way is actually beneficial. I don't think it actually makes you a better shooter. I think you're better off uh, training shooting and training strength, you know, whatever that case may be. And then you can put a little bit of time shooting, you know, with an elevated heart rate or like, you know, trying to do like sandbag get-ups and then shooting 
but um, but I think it's important to train them distinctly, but just simply be aware that they're coming and and know how you need to perform. Uh, just don't fool yourself into thinking that going to the range, doing a bunch of burpees and then shooting is actually training. I don't think that's training at all. I don't think you're actually going to make measurable. I would 100% agree with that. I whenever yep. I whenever do like a, a run and a shoot thing, I never get a good run nor shooting training. I compartment I separate and segregate those into separate things because just generally how run and gun and other events like that are. Um, yeah. And back to back to back to back stages. I don't think doing a run and shoot um, kind of training or doing like say doing some kettlebell stuff and then shoot immediately is not going to really be a great way to address that. So that's a whole different thing that I would, I, I wouldn't want to get to at this point, but yeah, I would 100% mm-hmm. cook a on that. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's just your fundamentals falling apart. It's just right. your fundamentals falling apart and the better your fundamentals the better they hold up and they don't fall apart. So yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I, yeah. I see guys do that training online and I, I, it, yeah, I agree. Train, train your fitness. Yeah. Train, train your fitness, train your shooting. When your shooting starts to fall apart, it's, you know, it's falling from here to there instead of falling here to, you know, off the screen. I mean, that's, that's really what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right, so I guess uh, we can start wrapping this up. Is there uh, start with John? Is there anything else you want to add about this before we kind of wrap this show up? Um, I thought it was a really cool match. It was certainly different than than what I'm done. I'm super glad I did it, uh, and I'd probably consider going back again. I don't know that I'll make it back in November. I got some other things on on my plate this year, but uh, but I'm I'm certainly glad I went. Uh, it was very interesting. It was really cool to be part of the inaugural, inaugural run. And I'm also super impressed with what Bob pulled off, not having a competition background because, you know, these things aren't easy. There's a lot of factors to consider. And, uh, he did a really good job considering them. I actually like the scoring system, uh, in terms of the penalties where I think we're just right where they need to be, you know, severe enough, but not so severe because we've been to plenty of matches where the penalties are not severe and it actually makes it easy to game there. There really was no way to game this. So, so, you know, my, my TLDR is that it was a really cool event. I'm glad I went, uh, I've wanted to do longer, more endurance oriented running guns. Like it'd be cool to do like a 20 or 25 mile running gun, but that's, you know, really hard for the land requirement. Uh, and Bob found a way to pull it off, uh, given the very limited space he had with some good relationships with his neighbors. So overall two thumbs up psyched. I went and, uh, for anyone viewing this, I recommend you go too. And, and just to clarify, I think you got fourth, right? You were in fourth. I got fifth i would have had fourth but one okay. of the items fell out of my pocket somewhere along the way and the time penalty i ate pushed me out of fourth so so but it doesn't matter them's the breaks i i wound up placing fifth yep yeah still a great still a great finish and then uh nick you got to wrap up here uh yeah of course uh first uh thanks for having us on on board ryan uh it's always a pleasure to hang out and talk a bit at length with you uh, i know life happens and uh we don't often get to talk and hang out at, at, at this rate outside of running gun uh whenever we see each other so uh, again i'm very excited to hang out with you be here and uh uh see you at wolverine here very soon um it's a game of challenge uh, i'm very very impressed with the event that bob uh put out very uh very satisfied with the conduct of the match uh the staff there um generally pretty good i was glad with the conduct of the match and they 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 volunteered a lot of their time. So uh, to the staff that that volunteered and made the time and made the effort to make it make it happen, massive kudos to them. Um, I'd like to give a big thanks to Privateer Group on Instagram. 
Um, he's been a big factor in helping me and other friends um, make some of these events happen for us um, because, you know, uh, we alluded to it. This, this stuff isn't cheap and, and it's, it's a big time, cons cons uh, a big time suck in that end too. So um, not a lot of folks are afforded the opportunity um, to do these kind of things as often as we do them. So um, I'm very appreciative of the support and, you know, the folks I've met that have m helped me make these things possible. So again, I'm very glad to have met some folks that uh, make these happen. Uh, so big shout out to Privateer Group on Instagram. Um, good guy. Um, he's doing a lot to help the community, especially outside of shooting. Um, and personal improvement. Um, and otherwise, um, I'm glad to have been part of this uh, event. And like I mentioned, uh, with so many expenses pretty pretty heavy for these, and if you have a very limited amount of time and you know capital to make matches, you know if you're in the southeast, man, I would say that this is definitely a match for you to 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 look at more to look at more seriously, because it is a great match. It's unique, and I, you know, I don't really. I, I think the game and challenge experience that we had was certainly unique to everything else. So if you're in the Southeast, I would definitely recommend that, you know, Hey man, this is probably a good, a good bang for your buck. Like if you had a certain amount of events to do per year, this might be one you want to, you might want to look at with a particularly close eye. So I hope to make it to January, November life happens, can't make it, but January looks like it, it may be possible for me to make a return there. So I'm looking forward to that. That's, that's awesome. And this, I think this is a good, um, you know, there's a lot of these new matches coming out, and it's like you've maybe you've never heard of it, and you see about it. Like, give them, give them a try. You know, the the worst that could happen is it's maybe it's not a well-run match. I, I think it's awesome that this one is. I mean, even just from running local matches, it is really hard to nail a good stage with good time penalties, and I mean, just and that's just on the stage. That's not like a whole big match with all the moving parts that something like that has. So. um I mean, it's awesome. It's awesome that it's different. I mean, I, I, I think these guys here, we've, I know personally, besides run and gun, I've shot three gun. I've shot like the rock hard, which is like a hard as hell. You know, these bigger, you're kind of making me think of that when you're talking about these stage to stage, because in rock hard, you would have five minute part times on stages. And for the most part, you know, half the shooters are parring out on that. And the ones who do finish the whole stage are finishing up in like four minutes and 30 seconds. You know, they're, they're just these big long stages, but these kind of different matches are fun. They get you Wolverines like that. It's, it's not a running gun. It's not a USPSA match. It's not a three gun match. It's just, it kind of exists in its own little thing and it's got its own scoring and its own unique flavor. And um, yeah, that's, it, it just makes things interesting. I mean, as much as I love a traditional running gun, or even a traditional three-gun match, just getting out of your element and doing something like this, you have no clue. I mean, we shot Wolverine last year, no clue what was going on. And, and it was a cool experience. We, we got a little bit of an idea this year, and you know, we're trying to kind of fill these guys in on what what we learned, and it may be totally different. I mean, a lot of these guys that um, run these matches like this, they, they don't want you gaming it. They want you to come out, and they want the best, the best person that can shoot and adapt and has that you know that baseline fitness and it's it's neat to have that so it's it's cool to hear that that worked out and I, I don't know you know if that'll make my match schedule like these guys are talking I'm pretty limited on on what I do most of mine are you know if I can get it in a six hour drive I maybe can fit it in the schedule but um yeah. it, it's cool it's cool it's out there 
So, so you're you're married with kids, Nick and I single with no kids, so we got a little more flexibility. I I suspect uh, I suspect over time things will change and we'll be as limited as you are on uh, on, on availability resources and everything else. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all balanced. Yeah, there's I mean there's guys that, and there's guys that shoot. We got maybe have wife kids that shoot twice as many matches as you guys even do. I mean it's all it's all kind of your priorities in life and um I that's that's awesome. I mean I love every match that I can get out to and then. I get a little bit of that uh, FOMO when I when I can't make it, but that that's all right. So um, thanks again for being on. I, I really appreciate it, you guys, and uh, hope I hope we see all you guys out at a match. Come on out. Feel free to hit me up if you guys have any questions for these uh, for John or Nick. Um, feel free to email the show or, or find me on social media and uh, whatever Facebook, YouTube, you know anything, and I'll. Uh, I'll, I'll try to get you some answers and, and pass it along or, or whatever. So, all right. Thanks. Have a good night. And you can hit me up thanks, on uh, Instagram on let's run and gun. And Nick, if you want to plug hey. yours as well. Uh, sure. I'm a uh, so Nick on Instagram. So uh, mostly shoot, you know, post shooting content, whatever on there. So be happy to connect with you guys out there. Thanks Ryan. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks Ryan. No Take problem. Have a good one.